Morning. Hi, Richmond. How are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good. Now, um, it always seems like we've just started the podcast then, but we did actually start 45 minutes ago, just arranging the, you know, the setting and how we look and all the rest of it. So yes, we've actually been working on this for a little while. I had to coach you a fair bit on your hairstyle. I know you were pretty, uh, pretty insecure about that. So I hope I've helped you there. Yeah, I just we just had to get the front bit up a bit higher. Yeah, and that was sorted. So, so how are you? Because we we haven't spoken for um, probably a few months. What have you been up yeah, to? So what have I been up to? I've been running my clinic in Norway. Bizarrely, I now live and work in Norway. Never really saw that coming, but that's where I am. So I've been running my clinic and I've been doing all this physios online and get better stuff. So it's been a while since we last spoke. We talked loads around the start of physios online because you were one of the first people to join. And we did a good few. Uh, I've learned recently they're called vodcasts, Richmond. Me and you, we did some vodcasts. Nice. Um, so we had loads of chats about your, your running and your up and run stuff and yeah, pain in general. But we haven't talked for a while. In the meantime, what's been happening is kids are growing, bunnies are growing, clinic is going well. Physios online is going well. What's been up with you? Well, it's it's all it's all been good. Um, I sort of say slightly hesitantly because I know that you know for some people, a lot of people actually, this has been really really tough. But but some good stuff has come out of it, and you know we met really through the circumstances of the yeah. world. Yeah, good time. Um, and um, I, I can't remember exactly when I first saw what you were doing but but yeah I did I did sort of link up with you and then we had those those conversations when, when was that then when when did it when did you start the online physios I think so so what actually do you want me to do you want me to go from the start of physios online and tell the whole oh. long and fascinating story of it well yeah we'll, we'll get into that for sure but when, when did you when did you when well, when did you first have the idea? Was it was it because of COVID or were you thinking beforehand, oh, maybe we it, should do some online? It was it was actually a good bit before COVID. So it was back in 2019. So this is how it kind of worked. I have my own little clinic, which is sort of in a fairly rural area of Norway. And I don't have any real like advanced knowledge of any one area of physio. So I'm not a specialist in anything. So I had this idea that I would really like to be able to send my patients to someone who knew more than me about whatever specific area. So like maybe pelvic health or peds or whatever it is, because I have a really like a wide range of different patients who come to see me. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I could just like link up my patient with a specialist physio by, by video? And I wanted to do it. But in Norway, there's this we weren't allowed like it wouldn't be allowed to use zoom or whatsapp or anything like that so you needed this special higher level of security for video so i kind of parked the idea it turned out i just thought okay no it's not possible because you're not allowed to use um video consults and whatever and then sometime around january i somehow on the internet discovered this um video calling platform called confrera who it turns out they were like uh, Gushant, what's Gushant? Authorized to do like medical video consultations and stuff. Ah. So that kind of restarted the idea for me. And at some point, I think it might've actually been in the end of 2019, or maybe it was in January, 2020, I had registered the domain name physioonline.no. Um, and my idea was that I wanted, I had in mind these, these few physios like from around Norway that I would like to get in my little specialist network. This was all before COVID, like, right? So I had this idea that I would set up a little specialist group that I'd be able to refer my patients to um, by video. And then Confrera came along and I thought, oh, this is great. I'm definitely going to do this project. But like I had all this stuff going on, you know, with family and work and everything. So I kind of parked the idea and went, well, I'll do that whenever I have more time. So I had the website registered. I had an idea of who I wanted, but I just kind of left the idea alone until March so then on the 12th of March last year I closed my clinic and then lockdown came a few weeks after that 
And then we had a few weeks of lockdown here in Norway. And that's when I realized, oh, wow, video consults <laughs> are definitely a thing and they work really, really well. So I'd been, I'd been doing a few video consults with patients before COVID. You see, I think this is why they worked so well for me because I'd been doing video consults before for like, let's say patients who worked offshore or you know, people who were nervous of driving on the ice or I had one patient with an acquired brain injury who found it really hard to travel but he was good with computers and his assistant was delighted with this, you know, that we were going to do video consults instead. And all of this was in January time. This was all like just after I'd found Comfrera and started using that. So the, the thing is that when lockdown came, then I had already been used to doing video consults with some patients yeah. and my patients were kind of aware of it too, because I had like posters up in the clinic saying, if you like, I can see you by video instead. Um. And so, yeah, I, I moved all my patients then over to video, um, which just worked out really well for me. Anyway, the point is, after two weeks of this, I realized now that my original project idea was definitely a good idea. Yeah. Um, so I rang up, there is a physio over here called Shartan Viba Fersum. Um, you might know or recognize his name. He's with the CFT group, the Cognitive Functional Therapy Group. Like he's done a bit of research with or a good bit of research with Peter O'Sullivan and he's in that like cognitive functional therapy pain ed group. Yeah. And he is an associate professor here at the university of Bergen. So I live in Bergen in Norway and I had met him once or twice. Um, yeah. The last time we met, there was some kind of lecture and I had ended up walking down to get a coffee with him and we'd ended up chatting. Um, and so I had his number and what I did was sent him a text one Friday evening after about two weeks of lockdown saying, um, hi, Ashartan, um, you might not remember me. I'm that freckled uh, Irish girl. Uh, we, got, we, got a, we got a coffee one time, like the last time we were at that lecture, and I have an idea. Um, can I give you a ring? So he texted back going, well, I'm, I'm just having dinner with my family right now, but I'll call you back later. So I went, okay, grand. So he rang back this Friday evening. This was towards the end of March last year. And I kind of pitched my idea to him. And he absolutely loved it, thought it was a great idea and jumped on in and said, right, yeah, let's start Physio Online Norway. And that just gave me absolutely immense confidence and encouragement. So if it wasn't for Shartan and Christine, of course, Christine, my wife, like she also thought it was a great idea. Hmm. But really, if it wasn't for Shartan and Christine, there's no way that there'd be physios online. So it was really Shartan who, yeah, who kind of gave me the confidence to do it, I suppose. So what we did was then I contacted the other Norwegian physios. So we got on board like a pelvic health physio, neuro, uh, sports, um, sports specialist and Shartan, who was the CFT sort of chronic pain guy. And yeah, anyway, so we set up our little network and our website. And sure, all of this took a few weeks. And as soon as that website was up and running, um, lockdown in Norway ended <laughs> and we all went back to our clinics. And then none of us had any bloody time to actually see patients from this little network that we'd set up. So the Norwegian Physio Online um, is basically a secret. Uh, we didn't promote it. We didn't do anything with it because none of us wanted to get patients through it because we're all too busy with our own clinics. So in the meantime, in the meantime, I had been like following the situation in Ireland and the UK, and I had wanted to help out a few physio friends in Ireland, basically to, you know, to earn an income actually and to, to keep their livelihoods because private physios were you know totally decimated by it and mm -hmm. um, so I set up a little group in Ireland and then sure while I was at it I said I'd do the same thing in the UK seeing as now I had a website template and I sort of knew what I was doing and then the UK one just really took off that's when I met yourself the first the first UK physio to join us was Karen Hodgson the neurophysio so um, so this was all back in in June, really. The UK group started getting going. Yeah. Uh, Karen, I think I first messaged her back in May. And yeah, we kind of went from there. And then that's I don't know how you and I originally came into contact. It was probably it was probably me going. Um, this looks like a guy who would be in favor of video consults. I'm going to see if he wants to talk to me about video consults and get other physios interested in doing it because that's exactly how it went with everyone who I contacted yeah absolutely. and and you know I think a few people were were familiar with with doing online on 
work, which which was probably helpful and and reassuring. And and certainly now over here, well, I'm talking mainly my own experience, of course, that you know it's it's becoming much more mainstream. Is is that what you feel as well? Have sort of coordinating yeah, this project. Totally. Oh yeah, like at the start, right? At the start, people thought it was mad. So I remember Christine saying, look, I don't know how you're going to get across this idea of video physio, because for many people, if you say video physio, it's like suggesting someone goes to a virtual dentist. Like mm. people don't understand that you can do physio by video. So <laughs> whereas now everyone by necessity has had to do it. And yeah. um, so the original, I suppose the original, let's say mission of physios online it was to promote the idea that good physiotherapy could be done by video consult. Whereas now I think everyone is used to that idea. This was a really strange suggestion back at the start and I was getting a fair bit of pushback and people were saying it was gonna, I don't know, devalue the profession and, and that kind of thing. There were a lot of concerns around it. Whereas now people are just used to it. So, yeah. so the, the kind of the whole, let's say mission statement of physios online has kind of evolved as they say over time. So now we're less about just promoting video physio and we kind of expanded the whole mission description to include other things, I guess. Just just going back to the the pushback. I mean, it's inevitable with any, you know, anything new yeah. and pioneering, there's always pushback. And, and of course we can learn from that as well. Um, I mean, look, you, you're not going to name names, of course, but but what what kinds of physios were pushing back? What, as in what, what skill set do you think they were prioritizing look it's it's definitely you know those sort of musculoskeletal physios with a real you know who really thought that hands-on is very very important uh, is a very important part of physio yeah obviously you know and it kind of it to be honest it just annoyed the heck out of me because I, I found myself getting really annoyed after a while on twitter around the start of the pandemic like back in kind of June, July time, or even August, when you had a lot, of, a lot of MSK physios talking about the downsides of online, how you couldn't do effective assessments, or they perceived that you couldn't do effective assessments, you couldn't do as effective treatment. And to be honest, Richmond, it was driving me bloody mad because I was like, you have forgotten the whole rest of our profession. Like the people, the people who joined physios online at the start, especially, you're talking about neurophysios, mostly so there was karen hodgson and vicky knight who joined the two of them absolutely amazing um neurophysios who had they just bloody made it work they looked around and said i'm not going to leave my patients with no physio for the next indefinite amount, amount of time mm. and they got on there and got on with it and made sure that their patients were seen and it's the same with like it was neurophysios pediatric physios pelvic health physios um, I mean, palliative care, like, uh, you know, Hannah Leach, who set up a, um, she's with Stronger Than Physiotherapy, she had set up an online service, like, it, it's not just about treating someone's sore shoulder or, or ankle sprain, you know, and I think a lot of MSK's physios just, in a way, I was so, I couldn't understand, like, why aren't you, why aren't you, like, sh shouting about and, like, you know, really, encouraging and raising up like your colleagues in other areas of physiotherapy who are being innovative who are you know making sure that they that they get to reach their patients like yeah so I think and I can understand I can understand that if if you've invested an awful lot of your time and finances in learning hands-on techniques that you perceive to be really important and really effective of course it's you know, it's a bit of a threat and it's not so nice to, to be told, oh, it's grand, we can do everything on, on Zoom now. So I can understand that. But what I can't understand is the, is the kind of, the not looking beyond your own little zone of MSK. I kind of really wish we all had looked a bit wider and said like, well, I mean, there's a whole other world of healthcare out there beyond, you know, hurt sore shoulders and sore knees and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, sorry, that was kind yeah. of a long answer. Well, no, not at all. No, I mean, that's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because also, you know, yes, physio is much more than just musculoskeletal. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a big fan, as you know, of, of compartmentalizing things, because that's not really the yeah. way the world actually works. And, and we're always working with a person, not, not a condition or, or a disease or an injury or whatever. Um, but even within musculoskeletal, if, you, if you're going to narrow it down to that, 
then um, you know, and then even if you use your hands a lot, that's still only I would say a fairly small part of what you are actually doing and what actually that person is doing in their mm. life to get better. You know, if yeah. you see them once a week for you know x amount of time and within that you're using your hands well the rest of the time that person is is engaging in in new thinking new ideas new practices new habits new movements new exercises da, da, da. so the hands-on bit is is still fairly fairly small have you have you seen a shift now sort of well not quite a year later but have you seen a shift in views and attitudes fuck oh, yeah for sure i think people are much more much more accepting of the idea that you can I suppose, do physiotherapy by video. You know, it's not like it was back in April last year with people saying, no, this can never work. You know, are you mad? Whereas yeah. now people go, yeah, you, you can do, you can do it a fair bit online. Yeah. And, you know, you're always seeing comments now of people saying, I was so surprised to find how well, you know, how, how effectively we could help people by video. That kind of thing has become just sort of normal now, yeah. which is, uh, which is great. I think like Laura, <laughs> Laura Rathbone, um, she once made this comment on Twitter saying that, Austina, can I quote her exactly right? She said, we gain more than we lose with video consultations. And that just really stuck with me. I'm like, yes, you've articulated it perfectly. Yes, we do lose some things with video consults. We absolutely do. Like, I God, I miss so much. I remember in lockdown, I missed it so much, just like being able to just the physical contact with your patient, you know, being able to touch them on the shoulder or hold their hand or, you know, all those kind of small things. I missed it so much. I love that kind of thing. But so you do like there, something is lost in video. It is, but very much is gained as well. Like the fact that you're in your patient's home, that you can, you know, that, that, that you can see their whole environment, that you're, you're like, you're invited into their space. You're invited into their space and their environment. Like, I just thought it was fantastic. It was like a whole new, it was like a whole new cool job to actually be inside my patients' homes and, you know, see their setup and their situation. So, yeah, we do lose something with video consults, but I think that we gain more than we lose, as yeah. Laura said. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, you, you can choose to focus on, on what you lose or as you're doing and have done, you know, you've chosen to focus on what we can do and what, what, what benefits there are. Like I never, like, diff, I don't know. I don't know how to say this without sounding like really, honestly, I was never, I never really thought physio was that great. Like if I'm being honest, I never really, like I, I used to wonder, like, think I should have done something else or I never really realized that what I was doing was actually quite important and really helping people. I, I only really understood that after lockdown, Richmond, yeah. like, because what happened was then because I had moved so many of my patients over, we had like, a, it was only about six weeks that we were completely shut down. Like we have had a really easy time compared to the UK. But what happened was when I went back to the clinic, I will never forget the first day back in my clinic after lockdown because um, like many of my patients, I'd seen them on video once or twice a week. And there were some that I hadn't kept up with at all. And there was one man in particular, he was, he's like one of my favorites. I know you shouldn't have favorites, but he's, he's one of my favorites. Um, kind of a guy in, in his mid seventies um, who had a stroke many years ago and he couldn't manage to use an iPad and he, he lived alone and he couldn't, he just couldn't manage to do video consoles. He just couldn't do it. He has a contractor in his arm and, um, and I'd been seeing him, on, you know, like you sort of, you develop a bit of relationship with people. So yeah. I knew him and I, you know, kind of cared about what would happen to him and, you know, you, you develop an emotional relationship and, um, I hadn't been able to keep up with him at all over lockdown. And so he'd had six weeks of being inside his house um, like hardly going outside. And when he came back for his first, he was my first patient back after lockdown and he couldn't sit to stand anymore on his own. Wow. Like, yeah. And it just like, it doesn't sound <laughs> like, it doesn't sound like such a big thing, but it, it was like for me and for him like it was really it was a big thing because we kept him at this level for a good few years where there's a chair like there's this particular chair 
where even if he was having a bad day or if it's, you know, cause he'd had a few vertebral fractures as well. So he's pain problems and, and, you know, before, no matter how tired he was or if no matter what was going on with him, there was this chair that he could always sit to stand uh, off the chair. And um, whereas when he came back after the six weeks, like I just looked at him and no, I mean, we didn't, I didn't even put him on that chair because he couldn't sit to stand from the, from the bench on his own anymore it's just such a loss like it's such an unbelievable loss like this is a guy who um like he'd be really active he was always you know he's he'd run a lot of pensioners events and just be really active in the community and uh and I just felt shit like I let him down something awful in a way like I didn't know anyway my point is I didn't know that it was actually really important to see someone twice a week and just tell them to stand up and sit down and do a few movements so my other patients who who weren't in such great shape my other patients who I've been seeing a couple of times on video they had not had this dramatic like slide in function whereas that guy so, so basically I saw the difference between this is what happens if you take someone and put them in their house for six weeks and have no intervention at all, no help, no nothing. And here's what you do if you take the same situation, but instead of absolutely nothing, you just have a little video console with your physio once or twice a week. Yeah. So the people who that had happened for them, it was so clear that they had done so much better. It was like a small, small scale little trial that I saw with my own eyes. Yeah. And yeah. So it was actually only after I went back then that I, that was when I really started to actually work hard with physios online. Cause then I got really like passionate about it, wanting, basically wanting people to not be left just totally on their own in their own houses with no help at all. It became a real passion for me then to really like make it, make it happen. So yeah, I'm a, yeah. And I never, <laughs> so I've only recently um, like sort of believed in my own, I don't know, believed that I was a really useful person as a physio, to be honest. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? So so prior to this and this situation arising and you then helping people via video, you, you didn't feel that what you were doing was making that much difference to people. I, I just no, I didn't, to be honest. I mean, I knew that it was. I think I spoke to you about this once before when I said, what's your definition of a successful physiotherapy? like treatment or how do you know that you've done good in someone's life like how do you know if they're better off for having seen you like this is kind of a theme with me like I've spoken to Paul Ingram about it before as well like would the world be better off um if there were no like I don't know manual therapists physiotherapists like when I look at the big picture sometimes I go like what like are we actually like reducing the total amount of human suffering in the world or like what are we actually doing here mm. because when you look at evidence and you know I mean you'd be forgiven for thinking that maybe we're not making as much of a difference in people's lives as we would like to be so that's what I've thought before and I always kind of just hope that people were better off for having seen me than not at all yeah but I never really had the confidence to go, nah, damn, like I'm doing a good job. This patient is definitely better off seeing me. I know that I'm actually doing some solid, good, concrete, good in the world. I yeah. never really got that sense, to be honest, until then. I mean, you get individual patients going, yeah, I really did well with that person. Or, but I never realized that in general, um, that my job was actually quite important to people until after lockdown. Do you think that's going to do with the the predominant model of training as a, as a physio where you're you know basically taught that you you fix people you they come along with a problem you identify it and then you tell them what to do that that's the basic model and if you see it through that extremely narrow yeah. set of lenses which is you know basically what we're taught um then to to find success within that is is extremely difficult compared yeah. to another model where actually if you're a guide and an encourager and a coach just a simple word being there touch can make difference and also when you understand pain and if we're talking about that the the range of influences upon that including all those things i've just mentioned so so it, it really depends on 
on how you look through it you know what lens you're coming through then yeah yeah well, no, I think you're right that some of it is to do with um kind of being taught that you're there to fix people's bodies in some way which I think we all about two minutes out of university or two minutes into university we realize no that's that's not that's not what we're about at all so yeah yeah do maybe. you think that's true though do you, do you think that that people do come to that realization quite quickly that, well, hold on a minute, actually, I can't fix someone. You know, it's a good, mm, this is a whole other question because maybe they, maybe some people do, but like, I mean, should they, you know? I mean, who's to say that you're not better off as a clinician kind of in a, in a state of, just kind of happily thinking that you are a masterful fixer of pain and injury. <laughs> and then the patient comes to you with a sore back and you just have such confidence in your own powers that maybe you are a better clinician because you're, you know, because you don't have that sort of self-doubt or, or anything like that. So I'm always open. <laughs> I'm always kind of open to the idea that, well, maybe you are better off just having like blind faith in your own powers and not thinking too much about it but um that just hasn't really been my <laughs> I haven't no that hasn't been my experience do you think there might be some limitations then in having the view that you you, you know you've got superpowers and that your way works I don't know like do you think I mean I don't actually know because you might just it might be a case that you believe that you have powers and people come to see you and because of you know confirmation bias and all that kind of stuff you just continue to receive feedback to your own mind that you're just a wonderful powerful clinician and you might never really have to face up to the fact that objectively maybe your patients are not uh, doing as well as you think like um there's this quote like uh if you will how does it go now because this is a bit of a negative thing to be talking about but anyway there's a quote that's by christopher hitchens from years and years ago and he says if you will only if you can only suspend your critical faculties then a world of idiotic bliss can be yours <laughs> so it's like this idea that just don't just if you just don't think about the questions that might be kind of challenging to your state of mind then a world of bliss, you know, maybe can be yours. Yeah. But it hasn't been mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, you, you know, I know that you think about things, um, you know, in, in some depth and, and question, you know, what, what you do. Yeah, it's true. And is that a good thing? I don't know. Nobody knows. Well, no, and, and actually that, that sort of stems back then to, you know, what is a successful outcome? Can you measure it in one week, two weeks, or do you have to wait to the end of your life? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, these are, these are big and deep and slightly um, not particularly happy questions to think about, I think. I always get a bit like, oh, God, why didn't I do something else whenever I think about these questions? Uh, well, as in a different kind of job? Yeah. So I sometimes talk to Christine about that. Not, not anymore now because my confidence has been massively boosted by this whole doing video physio and my experience of seeing my patients come back after lockdown. And Do you know what? It's not just that. It's not just the lockdown that's kind of made me fall. I've, I've fallen in love with physio, Richmond. Oh. I've fallen in love with physio. That's what's happened in the past couple of months, past maybe six months since physios online took off. So it has a really, so it has a real different feel about it now compared to a year ago. It Two means years. a different thing to me now. Yeah. So the word physiotherapy, it does something different to me when I think about the word even now compared to like, say, two years ago. Yeah. Because because of what happened with the video physio consultation, my own experience with that. And then just because of the physios that I've met since starting up physios online. So what's happened is I have met people who I look at and go, yeah, this person is doing a lot of really good work. And it's made me kind of fall back in love with the profession a little bit, I think, which is nice. Like I'm kind of glad I'm in physio now. Yeah. So you've made some new connections and it, and it seems to have energized you. 
Yeah, yeah, hugely, hugely. Um, right, I'm going to tell you about some of the connections that I've made and tell you about them, all right? Well, just, so, just, before, just before you do that, well, I'm, I'm just interested in how your, your sense of purpose has changed. Maybe even just knowing what it is. Yeah. How my sense of purpose has changed. Uh, I think that, God, that's a very good, that's a, you've kind of, I haven't really thought of that way before. But what's happened is that my sense of purpose has changed. That's actually a good, a good way to describe it. But I haven't really thought about exactly how. So the way that my sense of purpose has changed is that uh, now I think that I have one. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. So my purpose now, now that I, it's like I believe in what I'm doing now. I really really believe in what I'm doing now so what's happened is that what I believe in my heart has kind of lined up with my actions in the world a little bit better than it ever has before in terms of work I mean yeah um so now with physios online I get to sort of promote and raise up people who I really believe in what they're doing and that has given me sort of a new purpose if you like it's given me a purpose because what I want to do now is help these people reach patients yeah yeah so you're you're enabling well actually both clinicians and and the people in receipt of their care and and concern by connecting people up and and creating a a platform a kind of a voice yeah it's a yeah, it's, a, it's, it's like a, it's a group that are all supporting each other, all with the same general goal of trying to reach patients who need them. So it's all in all, it's, it's just a, a good sort of a, it's a good goal where everyone involved in it benefits one way or the other, whether it's the patient or the physio or myself. The way that I benefit is just by meeting all these fairly amazing people and kind of getting new ideas and getting inspiration and yeah, talking to all these people and you know, like yourself and Bill Taylor and Karen and yeah, all the rest of them. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you've realized that people are out there and, and, you know, also want to connect and talk about these things and, and see how they can, or see how things can come together together to contribute more. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think so. And so how do you see things panning out? Uh, well, how things are panning out is that at the start, we were focused on like video consults. Whereas now our Christi, Christine came up with our current mission slogan, which is Ahem, physiotherapy is more than you probably know, which I think is an excellent slogan and could only come from someone who is not a physiotherapist and who has discovered that physiotherapy is more than you probably know. So what we're doing now is basically trying to ed educate the public and I suppose just tell people what we actually do. Like it's more than a wet sponge and a rub down, you know? So we're working on this physiotherapy is more than you probably know, sort of a campaign to, to just tell the public about what physios actually do. Um, so that's what we're working on. That's like one week every month, probably we'll focus on a different aspect of physiotherapy. So back in February, we did respiratory physio and in March we had Parkinson's and in April, we're probably going to be focusing on uh, men's health and, uh, those types of issues yeah. so there's that and then my my ultimate aim for the whole thing is that we're going to basically be the place where people go to to find a physio who's good at doing video consults so that's what the website is about yeah. but then also as a kind of a side effect we are trying to like raise the profile of effective altruism and try to so half of all funds half of all fees that are paid in go to givewell.org's maximum impact fund because myself and christine were interested in this idea of effective altruism and we thought that it would be a good idea to try to get physios and other people in the general medical community kind of interested in the topic yeah. so that's what we're about raising the profile of effective altruism raising the profile of physio promoting our members clinics and basically just having a bit of fun mm. along the way and for me just meeting interesting people and talking about things i like to talk about and 
yeah, I don't really have much more definite plans than that, to be honest. But it it sounds like you have, you know, you do have a direction and you have a a picture of success in mind and and combining it. I mean, the concept of altruism is is fascinating. What what grabbed you about it? About uh, the effect of altruism movement? Well, um, okay, so do do you know, do you... Have you followed much of the kind of effective altruism movement yourself, or have you much interest in that kind well, of side? Of a, a little bit, but but talk more because yeah. you know, yes. people listening may yeah. not have come across the idea yes. before. So so the so the idea of effective altruism is. I hope that I don't explain it too too badly. Now I've actually done an interview with this guy Luke Freeman uh, from Giving What We Can, and he explains it much better. That's why I did the interview with him so that he could explain it so that I wouldn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> so. The whole idea behind effective altruism is basically that if you're going to give money or time for that matter, but if you're going to give money to a charitable cause, that it makes sense to be choosing a cause where your money can do the maximum amount of good. In other words, what you're trying to do is alleviate the maximum amount, the maximum alleviation of human suffering wherever it is in the world. And it's sort of like a bang for your buck way of looking at charity and helping others yeah so the principle of effective altruism is that if you have let's say if you have 10 pounds to give to charity that it would be more rational and that that it would make more sense and that you know if you thought about it you would obviously give that 10 pounds to somewhere that can um you know to somewhere that can save many 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 lives instead of one life that's a terrible example because 10 pounds is not saving any life but you know what i mean you're trying to get as much good for a certain amount of money as possible and people sometimes don't look at charity this way so people tend to be very emotional when it comes to giving and donations and charity so um it's kind of like a glitch in our in our system because because we're we have empathy (laughs) so basically you see like a picture of someone suffering or you know, there's there's famous studies about you see a small girl suffering and you ask someone how much money will you donate to her and the person gives a figure and then if you put her brother you show the same photo same little girl but now her brother is standing beside her and people are actually inclined to give less money to the two of them yeah. and then yeah and then you show a group of children who are all suffering and you say well how much money will you give now and people give even less uh, to the group And then you say, well, there are a million people um, in suffering and poverty, wherever it is, how much money will you pledge? And just it goes way, way down. And this is why, for example, people end up donating sums of money to things like, you know, rescuing a puppy from a well kind of thing, but don't aren't really able to emotionally connect with like um, some other absolute catastrophe that's happening on the other side of the world. Yeah. It's because the rational part of our brains kind of gets switched off when we think about helping others sometimes or trying to be altruistic or do good in the world. So the whole idea of effective altruism, my perception of it anyway, the way I think of it is trying to like, trying to like um, address that glitch in our system. So instead of saying, I feel like I, you know, I, my, my feelings say that this is the charity for me because I care so much about, you know, puppies and wells or whatever it might be. Yeah. Instead, you say, well, here's, you know, here's different ways of spending money to alleviate suffering in the world that have been put through this really rigorous, like how much bang for your buck kind of evaluation process. Yeah. So for example, givewell.org is a really like robust charity evaluator that decides, you know, basically do it by the data, do it by the numbers, <clears throat> make a rational decision instead of going based on your on your empathy. Yeah. So yeah. I've just probably mangled the explanation of what effective altruism is there. But so I think I think the, the message came across clear that it's it's about just trying to get the most effective way of donating yeah. time, money, you know, what whatever, whatever you can. Is, is there a risk then that some charities or organisations might get left behind because for whatever reason, they're just not as efficient at, at getting, you know, whatever they're trying to do done with the money that they have? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose if, if all money, if all charitable donations in the world were going through, say, givewell.org or, you know, I think that that would be a better world myself personally. 
But if that was the case, then yeah, it's it's it would definitely happen that charities that were less quote unquote effective would receive less funds. Yeah. So, so that that organization then you do you donate to them and then they distribute it accordingly. So what we're doing with physios online is that we've chosen givewell.org they're what's called their maximum impact fund. So they have a particular and this is just really for simplicity so that it's easy to explain, you know, what we're doing. Yeah. So the maximum impact fund it's sort of you don't have to then follow um current developments because givewell is constantly evaluating not just which charities are most effective and helping the most people, but they're also evaluating like what is the current need in this particular area. So in other words, you know, is this charity now, um, I don't know how to put this, but uh, like, do they have enough money for now? Where do we need to now funnel funds right now at the moment? So it's, so yeah. So So it's a bit more dynamic that way, looking at needs as well and Exactly. And it kind of frees up bandwidth so that you're not having to sort of think to yourself, okay, how is the Malaria Foundation doing, you know, this year or how much room for extra funding is there in, say, the Fistula Foundation or whatever. Like, these are just examples of ones that myself and Christine have been interested in before. And like, you can get, like, what I love about Effective Altering, you can get interested in, you know, you try to like see it as an opportunity you know you can get interested in helping these different effective charities you know you you don't have to be rich or have loads of money left over or anything like that it's just really a way of thinking about things it's a way of going if I am going to give some money which I want to so me and Christine started because we didn't want to buy Christmas presents anymore it just didn't make sense to us so we just were like why do people buy Christmas presents for each other so so um, so that's how we started and then realized that it, it was sort of like fun to say, OK, well, how can we do more good than what we thought we, uh, you know, then it's just about making wise choices for your yeah. for your charitable donations. Yeah, no, that sounds really interesting. I'll, um, we'll, we'll put the, the links and things to all of this in the on the, page, do, on the yeah. show page so that people can can have a look. I'll just, um, I'll just People can look up straight away that the people who you want to be looking out for and reading about are um, Toby Ord and William McCaskill. These are two philosophers. Uh, I think they're both philosophers at Oxford, and they've set up this organization, Giving What We Can. So you can follow Giving What We Can on Twitter. Um, and then GiveWell.org is um, it's it's a lar- it's sort of a bigger, bigger organization. I think it's been going for much longer. And for some of the ideas behind like altruism in general, you want to be looking at work by Peter Singer, um, who's an Australian philosopher from way back. Um, not way, way back, you know, not like ancient philosophy, but, you know, like 20 plus kind of years ago. And um, so, yeah, that's about altruism. And then effective altruism specifically, like, you know, the ideas that I'm talking about here, Toby Ord and William McCaskill are good, good people to read about there. Yeah. It, it sounds like you, you have a, a real sort of in-depth interest in it. Yeah, yeah I think, yeah, I, I think I do. Like if I had, if I had my druthers, if I could, what I would like to do with life is to, you know, um, like sort of do, do the maximum amount of good that you could to, to alleviate human suffering. Like, I think that most of us who, most of us who go into healthcare, what we're wanting to do is to, is for there to be less pain and suffering in the world. So to me, it's kind of like an extension. If you're in healthcare, you're probably going to be interested in stuff like altruism too, because it's the same thing. It's just that people are a bit further away and kind of in a different situation. Yeah. Yeah. That deep, deep desire to, to relieve suffering and, and often the, the problem that, or the, the argument that's often raised, of course, I mean, it's a fairly simple one, is the fact that, well, we do what we do. Um, you can't say you're altruistic because you get paid to do it. Mm, yeah. You get paid in the sense that it gives you a good, a good feeling kind of thing. Well, that, I mean, that level, but also literally getting paid to do your work. Um, you know, we, we charge oh, a fee yeah, for yeah. what we do. But yeah, no, absolutely that point as well, that, that you know, even if you, 
you know, when, if you help someone across the street, for example, are you doing it because you want to help them across the street or because you want to feel good? And I'm talking at a subconscious level there. Mm, yeah, yeah. Not Because con consciously you might just see them and go, oh, yeah, let, let me help you. But is it, are you doing it to scratch an itch or are you doing it because it's an altruistic act? Mm. And, you know, how important is that to figure out which one it is? To the person who you helped, it's probably not that important as long as the person gets helped, you know, the way. Yeah, that, yeah an, interesting, an interesting um, idea as well, you know, to do with effective altruism and that community that I've, I think it's William McCaskill, I've heard say this before, that sometimes people think it's almost like a bit vulgar or a bit like taboo to, to tell people when you donate to charity, right? So let's say with Christmas presents, like if me and Christine donate to Vistula Foundation, it's almost like a bit like, okay, yeah, but you're not going to like say, don't tell people that you did because that just makes you look like you just want the attention or, but there's a really, really good point to be made people saying no of course of course you should tell people when you donate to charity because if you telling someone inspires one other person to donate to donate or to give to a cause you've just doubled your impact um, for the people who actually need that help so it just makes so much sense if you're interested in if you're interested in charity if you are giving um to a charity for goodness sake like tell people about it because you might inspire somebody else to then give money and then the people who you wanted to help in the first place are better off so even if it's uncomfortable for you because you don't want to look a bit like oh, awkward and um, it's still the right thing to do probably yeah if, if if your goal is to actually do as much good as you can then you probably should be telling people when you donate yeah to charitable causes yeah, you, you, you're going to get some people that look at it in a sniffy way and some people will go, oh, good on you. Yeah, actually. And, and then you think then raising the, that, that kind of thought in your own, oh, yeah, I saw someone give to charity today, a mate of mine. Oh, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do something. Yeah. But this is why, this is probably the reason why we're doing this with physios online. Because, look, it's easy with physios online because you can say, oh, physios online is donating to... Um, GiveWell.org's maximum impact fund. So for me, that's you know that's that's easy. You don't look like a bit of a a bit of a muppet being like, oh, I'm an great for donating to charity. It's you know it's like there's a little uh, there's an extra step there. I can post and say Physios Online is donating fifty percent of its fees to GiveWell.org, um, or the maximum impact fund. But when we do that, uh, I always think that that I always hope that well well then maybe some other person has heard of give well or some other person has thought about um whether it would be a good idea whether they would be able to donate to a, a worthwhile cause or you know so if you post something like that on twitter or facebook or whatever 10 times and if only a few people ever see it and one other person donates well you've just done you know uh, extra good yeah yeah, no, absolutely. There's um, in, in these, I'll, I'll sort of clump them together, these modern day thinker type popular books that, you know, that are normally full of stories, aren't they? And then oh, yeah. sort of padded out with stories and then and then make a few interesting points. Um, and, and it's either the um, you, you pay for the person behind you going over the toll bridge or uh, you, you pay for the person behind you for their coffee and then you don't say anything, you just do it quietly with the, the cashier and then you, you scoot off without you know, anything else happening and, and how that makes you feel. Well, what do you think of those kinds of acts? I think it's absolutely lovely, go for it. I mean, why not? Sounds like a good idea to me, but it's kind of, a, it's sort of a different thing to what I'm talking about with, I think with, with charitable giving. In the sense that what you're describing there is almost like a, it's almost like a self, what someone would call a self-care type thing. Like it sounds to me like if I'm paying the toll for the person behind me, that mostly is for me. I'd say for the person coming behind me, it's lovely as well. But, you know, it's it's mostly, it's mostly for me. It'd give me a real like mood, mood boost. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. It's all, that's all, all sounds good to me. But, so you think um, it's different if you see, if you see someone um the effects of what you do you see that in that person be different to if you've you've gone off and you just know that you've 
you've done it you don't know how they're going to react i suppose in theory someone might be irritated no i want to pay for my own coffee who do they think they are paying for mine we're just very confused like yeah. what, <laughs> yeah. what oh, oh, do they do they fancy me or something um you know are they stalking me here or yeah like yeah. yeah so there's always risks always pluses and uh pluses and that's minuses true. That's true. No, that's, I mean, it's interesting. Um, and, and clearly, you know, the, the whole online physio concept then is, has just grown from, you know, this, this idea before lockdown and then it's become something very real during lockdown. We're still in lockdown, of course, and, yeah. and now taking it forward. And the, the one thing that, that, you know, we talk about all of this stuff and, and the physio world, uh, which, which can be a little insular, I think, and you, when you get involved in the discussions, yeah. we can forget that actually it doesn't matter what we think about online physio. What matters is the people. So yeah. when people start contacting us and saying, hey, I want to do this online, that works for me. I don't have to travel to see you. I can do it from yeah. home. It's very convenient, less cost. Da, 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 da. That's what we need to listen to. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, on the other hand, it also does matter a bit what we think, because I think that sometimes patients take, you know, they, they pick up on, on the way we feel about it. So just in my own clinic, I think that it had a lot to say that I just really liked doing video consults before. I mean, I just enjoyed it. I just liked it. It made sense to me. And I think that really, that sort of got passed along to my patients. Whereas yeah. I think if you're starting off from a place of, as we said earlier, kind of being skeptical, not loving the idea, or just actually hating the idea of, of being a physiotherapist who's working through a screen, mm -hmm. I think some people just take that idea and I can understand that. So if that's your kind of mindset, then I wouldn't expect that your patients would be too fond of the idea either. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the so, kind so of the attitude think, you transmit would, would potentially yeah. affect yeah how, yeah how it works. that's why I, th I think there's room for both like that's why i think it's a good idea what what we're trying to do now which is say okay some people are going to like doing video consults and some physios like doing them mm. so why not just hook up these two groups of people together through physios online it's really that simple yeah um yeah how would you and, encourage you know, someone if they if they came to you now and said look i've i've been doing a a little bit you know maybe i should do more how, how would you encourage them what would you say are the the advantages of them doing more not 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 giving up face to face but just maybe having a combination i think it all depends on the person's situation right because if they're a person who it's a good thing for them to be able to be home when they're working it's a real no-brainer like with me i have two small kids so i absolutely love the idea i love it that i can get up off get up from the dinner table kind of covered in banana, smelling a bit funny and come on into the room and do a video consult, like, you know, messy to full-on professional in like half a minute flat is great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like it just fits in with your life. To me, that that's a huge advantage that you can be in your own home when you're doing your physio. Great. Yeah. So if you have... So what you're saying then is, is you can example. neglect your own hygiene and carry... <laughs> definitely i love it you can smell as weird as you want your patient will never know and as long as you as long as you throw on like a navy top you're you're good to go yeah. so uh, <laughs> so there's that um and yeah i don't know to be honest Richmond, at this point right if you had asked me this back in april may june last year when it was all getting started I would have had a long list of encouraging things to say and inspirational stories to tell. And, but at this point, I'm kind of thinking that if you're a physio who doesn't really like doing video consults, then it might just be that they're not really like for you. Like you might just be the kind of physio who doesn't really like them. And that's quite okay as well. Mm. And there's kind of room for everyone in the world. You, you know, you're doing your work, you're doing your good some other, some other way. Um, yeah. I mean, I was kind of, I suppose a bit naive at the start because I was so excited um, by how much I enjoyed video consults that I just thought, well, this is, I mean, everyone could do this. This is so simple. All you need is a computer. This is how you do your setup. This is how you go through a, an assessment and a treatment. Everyone can do this. It's for everyone. You know, you're going to love this. Um, but as time has gone on, you know, you realize that, well, not everybody feels this way about it. And that's absolutely fine. You know? Yeah, so I suppose 
again, the, the broader point is that, you know, we all bring different strengths. Um, we all bring something different to the party and we can all help people in different ways. And, and the more we know how we can help people in our own individual way, the more we can focus. Yeah, that's for me. I'll do some online. No, that's yeah. not for me. I, that's not that's not my bag. Yeah. Like I think during lockdown, and especially around the start, it when 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 there's a risk of you know horrible infection and death, <laughs> when it's like uh, when you're in that situation, it seems like you should really you should really be trying to do video consult instead of getting people in face to face. That's my strong personal feeling is that you know if you if you can at all for goodness sake just just eliminate that risk of someone contracting COVID. <laughs> in or around your clinic or on the way to see you, it just makes sense. Whereas outside of that context, like in a non-pandemic world, then um, then it's a real sort of, well, whatever you prefer is the right thing to do and whatever your patients prefer. Yeah, yeah, safety first, safety first. Mm. So, so look, you know, you, you've created this, this fantastic platform. It's, it's brilliant and um, yeah, great that the number I of- I have not nice. created that platform. That is my wife's work. I have not created- oh. We should probably have had both of you um, here. We probably should have, yeah, except that she's busy doing her job, which is actually not being web designer. So Christine is an IT consultant. She does not build websites. This is not her job. Done a fine job then doing something. I I don't think that it's an exaggeration. I know I might be biased here because, you know, I think that the greatest human on the planet Earth made this website. So I might be biased when I talk about our website, but I'm fairly sure... That it's the nicest and best physiotherapy website on the internet if i do say so myself no go. but it is like yeah. it's really it's really yeah it's good for the user like it's really user friendly it's really um like even you have a map where you can click on the different regions and people show up we've managed to make all the physios look good like everyone is really nicely presented everyone has their own page like it is a really bloody nice physiotherapy website Mm-hmm. And like I say, I don't think that's just a bias talk. And I think objectively, it's a really nice physiotherapy website. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So if people who haven't yet, haven't yet got involved want to get involved, what, what do they need to do? Uh, well, they need to nowadays they need to ring me up and have a chat because <laughs> right. it used to be a thing yeah. where, yeah, because it used to be a thing where um, you could sort of fill out a form and then, but it's there's just, there's too many people um, now so nowadays you ring me up and yeah we just sort of have a chat and see if you're a good fit for the project and what you'd like to I sometimes say to people like what's like what's in your heart that you'd like to get across to the public about physio like do you have something what you like what is it that you want to get across to the world about what you do like where's your passion where and then and then we sort of talk about how we can put that across and we'll make videos and do little campaigns and bits and pieces like that like to me this is this is a long long term project like this will be this will be the next good few years i would expect to to keep on doing this and working on it yeah yeah, yeah. so i'll uh, i'll send you where people can well they can just go to physiosonline.co.uk okay. and you'll probably find there i've set up like it's a bit impersonal but now i use calendly to to like to let people contact me if they want to book a, a chat yeah it's practical it works yeah, it's practical and it works and it's, yeah, it's a good way to go. So you've got the website and, w- and where else can people find you and the, the folk who are involved? What, what other handles have you got? We got on Twitter, I'm uh, at online physios, not to be confused with at physios online, <laughs> who runs online physio.com. This is <laughs> hilarious, Richmond. I have to tell you about this. There is this absolutely awesome lady in Australia called Karen Finnan. She's been doing exclusively video consultations for years, like since 2011. And when I, I did not know about her when I set up Physios Online for a start, but the name of my website was Physios Online. So I went on Twitter trying to find, like to get the handle Physios Online. And the person who has the handle Physios Online is Karen Finnan in Australia. And her website is online physios. So my Twitter handle is online physios. And I'm physios online. And hers is 
physios online and she's online physios so, so it's anyway kind of the other way around for both yeah, of you yeah. yeah she's oh she's lovely like I spoke to her near the start of lockdown as well she's one of those like real just like inspiring people who I met along the way um on Facebook we are physios online UK we're actually doing really well on social media so now we have we have like 3.8 thousand Facebook followers likes whatever that is which right. is not that going, given that we're only in like about nine months. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Very good. And yeah, that's not bad. Because I was looking at these numbers today before coming on to you, because I knew I was going to talk about physios online. And on Twitter, we're, like I say, online physios. We've got a good few followers on there now as well. Got like 1,500 1, and something Brilliant. followers. I think, okay. I, I think that this is good for something that's only been going for like i don't know nine or ten months mm. well hopefully you'll pick up a few more from from this and i know that you might oh, use some of the excerpts or, or whatever and and do yeah. to you know so people can know more about what you're what you're doing but it's been a really a really great chat thank you for giving up oh, some of your valuable time oh, you're welcome this was lovely it was nice to chat to you again yeah, and uh, we'll have to we'll have to get the momentum going because I know we had a bit of a gap. Um, various <laughs> we'll have to get yeah. to our, our regular chats. I think yeah. the last one I ended up cancelled when I was getting all those wisdom teeth problems. Uh, so yeah, we'll get back into our regular chats, Richmond. I think definitely. so. Definitely. All right. Well, listen. You take care, and we'll speak soon. Cheerio. Cheerio. Bye.